unknown entity is in the midst of an incredibly long ultramarathon, countless miles and endless hours in. They begin to experience internal demons in the trail that aim to crush their soul and break their spirit entirely. The individual searches deeply within. individual chooses To the track. If it's running, you'll find it right here on Trail Tales ARP. Run wild. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Trail Tales ARP. Sean Sobon and Russell the Runner with you. Uh, this is season seven, episode four. And today we have from London, Ontario, Brian Murphy. He is a Canadian uh, record ho holder for a couple of races. He's having a heck of a year this year. Uh, Brian recently broke the Canadian record for the men's uh, 60 and above age category at, around the Bay. One of the oldest races around, the oldest race around actually. And uh, he also broke the men's 60 plus uh, Canadian record at Glass City Marathon in Toledo, Ohio. And we're going to talk to him all about that and, and what he's been up to. So, Brian, thanks for coming to the show and uh, bringing all your running experience with you here. Very good. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, calling me and asking me to do this. Yeah. So, um, so you're you're in London, Ontario, and um, from what we gathered uh, on the internet with our research, you're a marathon coach at Backroads Brews and Shoes, which is an awesome name. Is that so current? Yeah. It's <laughs> it, it's uh, if you ever get a chance to come down, it's. Uh, a great place. I, I work there as well uh, a couple of days a week. Um, and I don't refer to myself as a coach, actually. I prefer to call myself uh, just the leader of the group, gotcha. just uh, because I find as, as I've gone through, I, I've learned so much from other people. So it's really facilitating the group, right? Uh, and other groups that I've been in, I learned so much. Everything I've learned is from other people. So, awesome. So it's yeah. almost like you're, you're, you're gaining knowledge and then you're sharing it with others and kind of passing Absolutely. it on. That's, yeah. that's amazing. That's the best way to learn. And it really it, makes it, a great community. Eh? 
It is. It it really does. And the, yeah. the running community in London, and I think suspect other places like up where you guys are in Kawartha, um, it's a very cooperative community, right? Everybody shares. You're not compete. Everybody realizes you're not competing with each other, right? You're um, running with each other, and everybody's trying to just compete against their own times. Yeah, you couldn't have said it any better. I think that's that's been my experience in the running community as well. Everybody just wants to lift each other up and, and cheer each other on and help each other. And and yeah, the only person you're competing against is yourself, really, at the uh -huh. end of the day, you know. So uh, you right. put it perfectly, Brian. Oh, um, thank you. So let me ask you here. Um, well, I guess let's just go briefly into the beginning of running. How long have you been running for? So I've, I started training for marathons in 2008. Okay. Uh, but I've been running in, since high school on and off uh, university. I did, not re I did not join the varsity teams or anything like that. I spent more time having a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, I had three, three kids and wife since then and uh, really just started training for a marathon in 2008 was the first, first time I started doing that. Okay. So, and what kind of piqued your interest in the marathon? More of um, like it always been a community runner five and ten k around the thing, and it was just more of a, a mental checkbox. I'd like I've always wanted to do it that sort of thing, so I kind of said, okay, this Jan that January I'm going to start training for a marathon. So, um, and and funny story, I actually never did that marathon that year because I had a really bad skiing accident. Oh no! So it put me put me out of commission for work for two years. Um, but, uh, so I skipped, I missed that marathon, started training again, uh, really I was doing it on my own, uh, you know, download something off the internet, um, mm -hmm. complete rookie. And, um, in, in the fall of that year, I did a half marathon un untrained or relatively untrained and realized, oh my God, if this is what it feels like, and I felt like bricks, the feet felt like bricks, I said, I need to get in with a group. And that's in 2009 is when I started with a, a local running group here in town. Okay. Wow. So a bit of a, a bit of a journey for you, a few kind of trial and error yes. um, um, things to figure out. So um, what, what was the biggest difference for you when you, when you joined, you know, running group and, and got some quote unquote formal training, I guess, like what, what were the biggest things that you noticed were differences? Um, just the, the whole concept of long runs, interval, like speed work. Uh, and you know, the, the long runs are the things that gives you the stamina, mm -hmm. the speed work are the ones obviously gives you the speed and sustain the speed, uh, in terms of like the training aspect of it. But then I think I mentioned at the, uh, at the, at the outset, when we were either the pre-call, um, I was talking about a, a friend of mine that moved up to Kawartha's. I, I chased his ass on long runs for so many long runs. And eventually you just try to hang on as long as you can and uh, was able to finally stay with him, right? So there's always somebody in the group that you can run with and aspire to be with, to run with. Um, that's one of the things I found of the power of a group, right? Is that um, that was with John, John Ferguson's running out of uh, Runner's Choice. Uh, that I was running with. And I just found the group, the spirit of the group was so helpful to, you know, get out there and the accountability to a group was very helpful as well. Right. People are kind of go, if you don't come, you know, where were you? They chirp you a little bit, right. In, in fun, but it's, I find the group is so much easier than doing it on your own. 
it's it's all about accountability in in ensuring that in the group all of the people all of the runners are pulling each other along to yeah. uh, ensure one another's growth. Well, so that's fantastic, Brian. So with regards to keeping up with the the lead runner there, how progression is is always fantastic in the sport. So how how long did it take for you to finally uh, <laughs> stick with them? Uh, so actually it turns out his name was Brian as well. Um, and there were, I think there were six Brian's in the group at the time. So it took me a couple of, <clears throat> a couple of years to get, get to that capability. Um, and it just, again, more, more persistence. And then I retired, I retired uh, five years ago and I was able to just allot that much more time to running. So it's helped me, right? I was doing at one point doing two a days and really doing intense work because I was, and I've done it some stupid ways as well, right? Is that, you know, I was telling you about some, some young bucks I was, I was running with. And I said, well, if they're doing that kind of mileage, I should too. And trying to do that in a week, going from 40 kilometers a week to 80 kilometers a week, I, you just, I broke down, right? And so I got injured and was out for a couple of weeks, right? So you got to be, you got to progress your mileage and the work you do as well, right? Most definitely. The 10% rule of thumb, mm -hmm. never increase your mileage more than 10% a week is, yeah. is certainly important. And uh, yeah, and that's that's how you can end up progressing more quickly in the sport. And that clearly led to phenomenal success for you. <laughs> so so just to, to start off, so you, you mentioned that you started running and so throughout all of the years, Brian, uh, with regards to the shorter distances, such as five and 10 kilometers, what, what were your personal best times? And, and uh, yeah, uh, oh, and can, you, can you tell us about how you were able to achieve those times? Sure. Um, it, it's funny. So I, I have a lot of friends in the, in the community, and a lot of them know my times better than myself. And so I've actually, because I'm old, my memory's not there. So I actually have to keep a file of what races I've done, what my times were, all of that sort of stuff. So I have to kind of shift over to my, my time. So my five, five K, so my, uh, yeah, my 10 K time was actually was a community run in Waterloo during university back in 1985, uh, was, uh, I'm looking at my file now, 36, 11. Ooh, so, pretty speedy. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm doing um, the math correctly on that, that's 337 per kilometer. Can do, I can't do that now. You're there. so awesome. Yes. <laughs> I, I do take the liberty of <laughs> becoming, yeah, a pace math on the wow. running. That's yeah. really good. So 337 per kilometer is even more insane. So that is wow. phenomenal. So <laughs> what what would your 5K PR uh, my five KPR must be below. just so uh, in 2016 we used to have a, a a Good Friday race here in town that uh, Ryan Hagermeyer used to put on, and my time there was 17:44 back in 2016. That's phenomenal! I think that's my PB. Yeah, that's my. It's highlighted in green, so that means it's my PB. <laughs> in which that's so again for everyone that's three thirty three per kilometer, which is absolutely wow. incredible. Uh, so, so with regards to leading up to the Glass City Marathon in Toledo, I, 
Ohio. Yeah. Do you have a coach, Brian? And and if so, what kind of helpful advice did they provide you with to achieve this phenomenal accomplishment of being having the Canadian record for M60 plus for the marathon? So, so my current coach is uh, is Reed Colsa. You've you've heard of him, obviously. Yes, absolutely. Um, That's awesome. And, and so, the way I progressed to ask Reed to coach me was so. I think I told you I was in that that running group in town. I'm going to say for about ten, uh, eight to ten years, uh, and that was with John Ferguson at um, at Runner's Choice. And then I was starting to run with these young bucks. Um, and I think I'd run Berlin, and I'm I was trying to get better. And I asked uh, Josh, another friend of mine here in town, to if I could run with him one day before I did the Toronto Marathon. And so he he ran me, he actually paced me in Toronto. Uh, and he coached me the following year. Um, and then uh, with COVID, you kind of, I kind of lost a little bit of my mojo and I kind of go, what am I going to do to step it up? Right. And I said, okay, I, I asked a few guys, uh, Steve Anderson in uh, who's known New Brunswick. I asked him, does Reed actually do group coach or like other coaching? Cause he, I know he coached a few elite people, but um He's actually started doing some stuff publicly now for us mortals. And um, so I reached out to him. I said, the reason I wanted to ask him is that I have him on a bit of a pedestal, right? He's my Canadian marathon idol. And uh, so if I would kind of feel intimidated, says I really have to do the work if I'm going to ask him to coach me. So that's kind of why I got, got, uh, got into with Reed. And he's been so good, right? He's got the pedigree. He knows the numbers. He knows what you you go through. He advises me when to go slow, when to go fast. Um, and in both around the Bay and Toledo, he said, because we we they were both were really bad weather days. Toledo was hot, and around the Bay was windy, windy and icy. And he in both situations the week before we have a kind of pre race chat, and he said, you know, just take it easy, don't worry about it. Uh, and then in Toledo, he said, you're going to have to take seven seconds off your time per K. And because it was going to be 30 degrees that day, but we got up at four in the morning um, and I went outside and it was actually cold out. So, and that's a relative thing. Cause the day before we went out for a shakeout run with my, some of the guys that I was running with and it was brutal. So we kind of said, okay, maybe tomorrow will be a better day. So we went, got up at four, the race started at six 30 um, went outside and actually had to put a sweater on or a sweatshirt, which was great. So we said, oh, maybe it won't be so bad. So I went out without, I, I said, okay, I'm going to throw the advice out the window and just go as if I, I feel okay, which I did for the most part of it. And then about uh, 30K, I started to drift down because the sun came up over the, over the houses and, and the woods, right? So that's when it got heat warm. And so battling through that heat what was that like how did you find the mental fortitude to <sighs> get through it and maintain such an incredible pace brian um well it, it it's funny because i i tend one of my coaches reminded me to or, or often says write your numbers on your on your wrist right or your forearms your paces and other things you can remember so you don't have to do the math in your head i i don't have your brain so i i can't <laughs> So I, I actually had the, um, 
the marathon record time written on my, on my wrist. And I knew the pace I needed to go for that. And the first part of the race, no problem, right? But then I started to drift well beyond the pace I needed. And so I'm doing the math to say, okay, how many more K left do I need? And the heat, like my feet were scuffing on the ground. I actually started, you know, weave a little bit. It's kind of the, one of the worst times. I've, I didn't feel like I was overheating. It just felt like I had no energy left, right? So it was just, just the way I was, and I was thinking, oh, this, I'm not going to do it. The time is slipping away too quickly. But clearly, I mean, so you say that you had no energy left, but clearly you had all sorts of energy left because, so I, I had to do the calculator. I had to pull out the calculator for this, Brian, <laughs> but so your marathon time of 246.16 is roughly 3.57 per K. Yeah. So below yes. four minutes per kilometer. So when you say you have no energy left, I mean, that's <laughs> obviously not true. You clearly had phenomenal energy left. But when Again. did you when did you feel that you had no energy left? Oh, <laughs> Which um, kilometer was that? Oh, my God. Um, probably the last four. So if you've ever run Toledo, um, you run along this railway path twice. And it's um, it's kind of a long straight end, so you can't, it's kind of hard to gauge the perspective uh, how far you've got to go, right? And uh, so I remember the guy. I think on the second turn onto the railway path, going the opposite direction. I think there was uh, we were at oh my god twenty. We were at my we were at mile twenty two. I remember the terms at mile twenty two. He said, and I said, oh thank God not much more to go right so and then you just I just kind of say okay you got to keep it going that's it's all about counting down I, I start counting down is what I do and and do it by percentages so you know I've got you know nine tenths of the way done or it, and you just do it that way you say okay I can do this right so and at mile 22 did you know that you were roughly a minute ahead of the pacing record uh, yeah, yeah, I knew I knew I had it, but at that there were times in that last bit that I was running 415 a K. So 15 415, 410, like those 10 seconds or those those 15 seconds per K add up really quick. And so which kilometers was that? Those must oh have been God. terrifying kilometers for you where you yeah. thought that the record was probably not within reach, correct? Yeah, um, I thought it was slipping away to tell you. I'm going to say that was about kilometer 20, 23, right? Okay, so, I knew I had but so that, that means that you had run some kilometers in the 340 range, which must yeah. have been early on. Yeah. Then, yeah, early on. Yeah, early on, I was under the pace I needed to go. Um, and I felt good, right, while we were in the cooler temperatures. Uh, and then I, you can see my Strava, how it drifts down. I think starting at 30K, it starts to drift. Okay. So right. to put it into perspective, so you obviously, you beat the record by just under a minute. Yeah. And you did it in a phenomenal two, two hours, 46 minutes and 16 seconds. So what, what was, I'm curious, what was your half marathon split time oh, on that? <laughs> I, I'm curious to know what the difference was between the first half and the second oh. half. I, I, I mean, oh, it was it was definitely a positive split, but yeah. So I mean, I, I would guess one twenty two and one twenty four. Uh, Does that I, sound about right? I, I mean, I it must have been it must have been incredibly consistent at that pace, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it was something like that, right? It was, I felt really, really good the first half, like felt amazing. Um, and like I, I've done this, I've done that pace before, right? So like that wasn't even a PB. So it, it was really the heat, the conditions are really made the difference to tell you the truth, right? So um, yeah, it's kind of hard to, hard to say. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about your PB actually, because is that the one that happened in California? Yes. And you, you were just shy of 60 years old there, right? So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so that must've been so painful to, to know because you, you hadn't even, yeah, exactly like Sean said, it was your PB and it must've been so painful to know that you couldn't have the official M60 plus record at that time. Right. Yeah. Kind of go into these things knowing, and I did a lot of work, right? Is that um, uh, one of the guys I run with, Dave, is the one that kind of put me up to this. Um, I, as I said, a lot of my friends know my times better than myself. And you can tell by, I don't know my splits very, very well, that sort of thing. They're the ones that track me. And Dave last, um, what was it? Uh, I think it was in Berlin. When I did Berlin in 2019, he said, you know, if you would just join athletics Canada you'd be getting all these records right or you'd be really close I said okay well let me start look let me look at it right so I started looking at it and that's when I I got interested oh I could I could do this right um and I knew especially with CIM now CIM in California it's a downhill course although don't let anybody fool you it's downhill but there's 16 miles of rolling hills so and it's miles not kilometers um, and so that's my PB that it's an overall downhill course. Um, and I knew, uh, like I had more to give, um, in, in Toledo CIM was just an awesome race. We had perfect conditions for it for California. We had no sun and it was six degrees to start. So it was awesome. So, yeah, so that was my, my PB in there was uh, 244, 23. Which is such a phenomenal time, Brian. So I, I that I'd have to do the exact math on that, but that's that's a low three fifties per kilometer for sure. Yes. yes. Yeah. Should be, which should be yeah, it should be three fifty one. I think that one. So three fifty one or three fifty two, and the, so the reason I know that is I've been trying to. So I've got the you know the um, the Abbott World Marathon age group things. So I actually a, haven't heard of that. The Abbott World Marathon age group. Yeah, so you have so, the world ma major marathons: Boston, Chicago, uh, England, New York, uh, Berlin, and to Tokyo. Makes perfect sense. All the significant sure. marathon events. Yeah. So Abbott is the sponsor for all of those, and for um, there's points you can get, and as an age grouper, you can they have a world championship based with those, and you qualify to get into different races. So you can qualify to get into London, England as a North American with the world championships, right? And it's a point system. It's really quite, an, quite a neat thing. So that's where I first started figuring that out. So I've done London, England in 2021 and I've been trying to get into Tokyo for I think three years. And to get into Tokyo, I needed two, minimum 245 um, and it's because you, you have to use, um, you have to kind of use the, what's called the sub elite category to get in. 
Um, there's no time as a North American you can get in with, um, like an autumn. It's not like Boston or New York where you can use a qualifying time. It's half my age for the 2:45 time, and then like Boston, if you don't have, if there's 300 people that are running in it, then you can't. Um, you, you get cut off and you might not make the time, right? You might not make the make the entry. So um, so CIM, I did two, 244, but I don't think there's enough buffer there for me to get into Tokyo still. Okay, so uh, I guess Tokyo, so there's there's a limited number of spots then, right? For Correct, there's for, 300 for total country. men and women for that. Right, right, okay. So that's, yeah. that's still on your list of things that you're going to try to chase down, I guess, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, where I'm trying trying for a 243 to hopefully get me into that. Yeah, amazing. Um, I wanted to um, go back just to the beginning. I want to circle back. I can't believe I just yeah. said circle back. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> uh, to the point where um, you were starting out and kind of getting more structured training um, mm -hmm. for, for focusing on the marathon. Um, you know, you're talking about doing your long runs and, and your, your intervals and your speed work and things like that. Yeah. What, did your, what did your training kind of look like before that? Um, before the structured training, yeah, more just kind of getting out and running every day. Um, and like, gosh, that's going back 14 years ago. Right. So it, it was, I, I think I knew I had to run long on Sundays and just put in the miles during the week. I don't think there was, there was no speed work that I can recall at all. It was just, here's the distance I should run that day. And I would do, I remember um, in March of that year, I was, my wife would drop me off at one spot and she, and she would pick me up at some other point or I'd run home sort of thing back to the, the, the ski, we were at a ski resort when I, and so I would just drop me off in the middle of winter and, and go run. Uh, but I, I don't remember any speed work at all during the week. It was just, and I think I was running three or four days a week. I wasn't doing an everyday type okay. thing, uh, back then. Um, but it was like, you know, you get the mileage up, like you're supposed, you build up the mileage like we talked about before, right? Yeah. And it wasn't until um, that I, I joined the, the group that we got into more structure where we do, and, and again, I was only doing three or four days a week at the time. Right. Long runs on Sundays, Tuesdays and Thursdays, interval work, speed work around a track or on the, on the roads or stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess for you, I know for me, sometimes when I'm, when I'm running and I'm wanting to look at my weekly mileage, sometimes I, I'm like, oh, you know what? Like if I do, if I do a track day today, like it's going to be low mileage kind of day. So that messes with my head. So I'm like, oh, I'll yeah. just go for another run instead. But did you struggle <laughs> with, with that type of stuff too? Or you just were good at sticking to a plan? That's so like to, for tonight, for instance, uh, my, as, as you'll see on my Strava, my heart was not in tonight at all. I had a workout tonight. I'd been busy cutting the lawn out in the heat, doing a bunch of stuff. And I went out tonight at about five o'clock and it was just drudgery. I, I really did not want to do it, but for the most part, when I, when I'm given a plan, like whether it's from Reed or Josh or John, I'll just follow it. Like I, I'm not one to really adjust it or that I might adjust from day to day because of appointments or stuff that I've got, but sure. Just tell me what to do and i'm kind of blindly following it right uh to go like that and um you know some of the some of the guidance that i've been given 
uh, by Reed in particular was uh, just don't go too fast because, and, and other coaches have said this, in fact, that um, if you don't, don't blow your brains out on your first rep because you got six or eight more to go, right? And mm-hmm. so if I commit to do it at the pace, you know, Reed's given me, I'm, I'm mentally, I'm committed, right? I better keep going at that pace for the last rep. Otherwise, you know, I'm, I've kind of let, let myself down. So I've been pretty good with that, right? Just trying to follow the program. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're 60 now and you said you yeah. retired about five years ago. So congratulations on, on an early retirement. Thanks. That's, Thank that's you. great. <laughs> that's great. Um, would you credit, um, you know, your retirement with, um, getting faster, if you will, like you're starting to hit these records and things like that, because you have more time now to do your training. Like, I guess logically that makes sense, but would that be accurate for you? Yeah, I would say, yeah, putting, putting in the work for sure. Um, running with faster people as well, um, is one thing I, I, I think I mentioned, uh, on, on the weekends in London, we have a, a bunch of, uh, young elite runners called the, the bandits, um, you know, Chris Ballestrini, Phil uh, Paramigas, um, uh, Josh Lumani, Mike Tate, those guys, Jack Sheffer. Um, these are the guys that would run on Saturday night, fr- Saturday or Sunday morning from, from back roads. And I would ask if I could join in. And we just, we just go and it's so much fun, you know, just chirping with the young guys, that sort of stuff. And and it's it just, I'm, I'm struggling to keep up. It's a hard, hard run for me. They're just, it's just a breeze for them. Right. So that sort of thing has helped me get better is jumping in with them, running with faster runners, even back in the day when I first started trying to run with those guys, um, like with, with Brian, uh, that I was telling you about earlier, right. Is, um, you need somebody to push you a little bit more, um, to do that. Right. So yeah. So right now the numbers are pushing me. And then when I run with those guys, uh, when I can, uh, that helps me as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That, that whole community, again, going back to that, it's, if you're doing it by yourself, it's too easy sometimes. So, you know, I'm just going to take it easy today or, you know, yeah. maybe skip a run yeah. or, or whatever. Right. So having that well, accountability. You, two, two things. One is uh, join a group, right? It's, it's not just, for the training aspect, it's for the social aspect as well, mm-hmm. right? It's my social life, to tell you the truth. Um, the the other, uh, and it just slipped my mind. Uh, oh, the other thing from a commitment point of view is put your money down on a race. There's nothing like having, you, you put a couple hundred bucks down on a race out in the fall to say, well, I better get training now because this race is getting closer and closer, right? Um, so it helps so much. And then you do some interim tests along the way. Right. So I'll try to do a, um, a half marathon about a month before or three weeks before the real marathon, just to say, okay, how am I doing? Right. It's a good test of your own, uh, where, where you are. Yeah. Now with, when you say you do a half marathon, will you go out and do like a half marathon race or you just kind of go out and run one on your own? No, I'll do a race. You'll do a race, race race conditions anyway. Like there are still some races in town that are, they're not virtual and I've kind of, I'm kind of over this virtual thing. Um, but there'll be, there'll be races that I really would like to get in the crowd. Right. Cause I want to find somebody that I can chase. Right. I remember whenever we're running around the Bay, it's the one I, for some reason, remember the most is there's always somebody ahead of me. Okay. Can I just stay with that person or 
think it was the Berlin Marathon. I remember this guy in a some orange t-shirt had some slogan on the back. I said, okay, I'm going to stay with him or try to creep up on him with every kilometer, right? Yeah. Uh, it just helps so much. Where, whereas if you're doing it on your own in a, in a race or by yourself, it's so much harder to motivate yourself. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's, it's, it's that, it's that mental game. And I guess having a distraction is a really good thing. Eh? Big time, big yeah. time. Yeah, for, for sure. So let's change gears a little bit here, Brian. Sure. Um, and, and talk a little bit about your diet. Do you, you know, do you, do you have a special diet that you follow <laughs> or, you, uh, you know, you kind of just eat what you want and, and just, you know, Hey, I ran so I can eat whatever I want now. <laughs> yeah. and, and just to add on to that question for a second, are there specific foods that you find improve your efficiency running wise, Brian? Oh boy. Uh, you're not going to like, yeah. So um, a lot of the people joke with me when I show up to the bar having breakfast or lunch and it's a bag of McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Um, it's it. I I'm pretty much eat anything I want. I'm I'm lucky. I do have to watch it a little bit. I like my steak, um, that sort of stuff. So during during um, most of the time, I'll eat whatever I want. Race week, different story, right? I'm I'm hydrating. I'm carving up all that stuff. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty careful the first, you know, and also if I'm, if I'm a little chubby to start, I'll do, I'll do, um, I'll do I will do a month with, uh, no burgers, no fries type thing. And it's just, again, uh, or I'll do a month with no coffee or beer oh, and okay. all, all that is, it's not for the calories, so to speak. It's more for the focus is that if I'm going to the coffee machine, oh, well, I can have a tea, but I can't have a coffee, right? It's just a, it's a mental game to say, okay, I'm focused about right. that sort of thing, right? Or the, okay. the fries or burgers and it's, or dessert. I know my, I did one month, I think, uh, I think in January it was uh, no burgers, no fries uh, type or chips. And then uh, February this month, uh, this year was no beer, uh, stuff like that. And that just helps me, stay focused it's not about calories or that sort of sort of thing right yeah for the yeah. most part yeah right? it's just it's just another layer of of commitment i guess right if yeah help yeah you for that. it's just that's constant that's... it's a little reminder yeah right the guy sitting on your shoulder no you can't have that sort of thing it's not a it's not a, i gotta lose 10 pounds type of type of thing right although yeah, today yeah. i did feel i did feel chubby <laughs> <laughs> It's been a month, I think, hasn't it, since my race? And I kind of go, oh, my God. But clearly, I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks. Clearly, you're the furthest thing from chubby. You, <laughs> yeah, you no. have the Canadian M60 plus <laughs> marathon record. <laughs> you're a legend. So, yeah, you're you're the furthest thing from that. Oh, yeah, that that is amazing to hear you eat McDonald's. And that's awesome <laughs> that you cut out certain things to maintain. things out whether yeah like you're saying whether it be coffee beer or chips yeah. or anything it, like that that does it. improve your efficiency as well Correct. clearly but i'm not i'm not jumping on the scale to see how am i doing this week right that sort of thing yeah right so yeah you're all about the performance yeah. right and, and that yeah. makes a lot of sense um yeah. let me ask you do you ever or have you ever used like caffeine supplements or anything before a race because i know how you said you had you you'd cut out coffee like that actually 
increases your sensitivity so you get a better effect off the caffeine because i drink i drink so many of these right now like yeah. i can have two and go right to sleep you know i'm a shift worker yeah. or whatever so it's yeah. but i've had periods where i've cut it cut it back and then it's like oh you get better bang for your buck you know yeah i i don't i don't play that game but i do have um uh during it so my my uh nutrition is i use morton as a, my nutrition stuff you can it's an excellent it. choice it's it's awesome um and it's not been available in um in a lot of places here in town so it took me actually four years trying to get it from since berlin when i when i met the guys there and was using it uh it took me four years to be able to bring it to london so we just started carrying it um but I, and i've learned so much about it i just know it was effective so i've used I use their their gels and their uh, both their their caffeine and their non-caffeine caffeinated gels and their drink, right? So, and I can't speak highly enough about it. I know uh, John Pockler, who at one time had the Bruce Trail FKT mm -hmm. for nine hundred kilometers. He highly recommended Morton, and that and that Gatorade is far suboptimal compared to, to Morton. So clearly Morton helped you in achieving your phenomenal accomplishments, correct, yeah, Brian? Def definitely, right? Um, I've got, I, I, I have a, a wear pair of uh, half tights now and I got, I put my caffeine ones in one pocket and the non-caffeine in the other and I just kind of alternate through, uh, through them throughout the race, right? So every every 25 minutes or so, I, I pop and pop another one, right? So they're good. I, I really like them. They're, they kind of go down like jello shots sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. They just slide right down your system and yeah. you get an energy boost from them, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty good for the GI system as well. That's kind of why I got them. Right. So. Yeah. You want some stuff that's not going to be too heavy on the GI system. Yeah. Now, do you, do you, when you're switching products or anything, do you, do you take them up for training before you're going to use a race? I guess I'm assuming you would, eh? Just to see how your body reacts. I generally, for the for races, I'll stick with the same same stuff I know. Okay. Um, kind of the old adage, you know, don't do anything new on race day, right? Like you, I think yeah. that's what you're leading to is that yeah. if you're whatever you're going to use, make sure it, it's good with you, right? Whether it's goo or endurance tap. Like I've tried, I've used the endurance tap as well, um, and it's really good, right? It's good. I like the flavor. I've used it in, in training as well. Um, and and uh, I'm starting to to use the um, the nutrition more on training runs than I used to. I was a uh, you know the the Brian Murphy theory of all things running was my theory was okay if I starve myself on the runs, then on race day if I've got on my gels, it's like rocket fuel, right? And it, that's not really everybody I talk to says that's not really a good idea you need to whatever it is you should be training with it so that your training is optimal to begin with mm -hmm. and your recovery is optimal and then also you get your body used to it as well so I've started to uh do that more and more than I used to right yeah and you found a positive impact with that strategy definitely amazing definitely yeah. um well, before we close off, just a few more questions for you, Brian. And, and again, mm -hmm. we really appreciate you taking the time to come chat with us. And, uh, no you know, for your first time being on a podcast, you're doing fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I know you just, you know, you just had this huge, huge marathon and, and, you know, you got the Canadian record, blah, 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 no big deal. <laughs> but uh, do, you, do you have anything else in your, in your sights for the future? Um, You're more distant. Yeah. So the, the next race I just registered today is uh, the London England marathon again in October. That's the next marathon I'm going to do. Wow. Um, I'm, my wife and I are about to travel to Europe and I think I told you I'm trying to get into Tokyo, right? Yes. So, yes. Uh, there's one way to do Tokyo is through through a lottery system as well, and they do these virtual half marathons that you can do it over a period of time, and you get your name in a lottery. So I'll be in Barcelona uh, in uh, next uh, beginning of uh, end of May, and I'm going to run a half marathon there to get my name in the lottery for for Tokyo again, and then between now and now and October, I'll do probably some five and 10K races. And as I said, some half a half marathon in probably in September. I just don't know which one that I just got to fit fit my schedule at this point. But those are the ones we have another we have a 5K race here on um, mid July. That's always a fun, a fun event. It's kind of it starts and ends at a bar and we have a pretty good test. I, I always joke it's the one night a year my wife lets me go out. <laughs> 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 um, which is not true, but it's, yeah, it's yeah. my saying. Yeah. Um, and then there's another one at the end of August, a 5k, uh, on the airport at the, air, one of the runways at the airport. Oh, cool. So I've never had an opportunity to do that. It's been, I think this is their ninth year and it's always been, I've been doing something. So I think this year it's the end of August and I think I can actually do it. So I might, I might give that one a go. Uh, 5k's are a little tougher these days for me to to see uh, the time I can get, but it's on a, it's on an airport runway, so it's got to be flat. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Is that as a Pearson Airport? Fantastic. I mean, clearly, no. It's it, it's at the London Airport. There is one at okay. Pearson, though, or there used to be one at Pearson. Yeah, I think um, I remember there being one there. Yeah, I don't know if it's still around. I remember when I worked in Toronto. Uh, I debated doing that one time and, I, and the schedule didn't work out. But Oh yeah. There's actually yeah. at Pearson, I used to live in Mississauga. So I used to go for trail runs along the Etobicoke Creek trail. And yeah. the neat, unique part about that trail is it actually goes right through the airport. So you can go and there's one spot where the planes just go right, right on top of you, right oh, on the runway. It is pretty awesome. wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So if you ever, if you're ever in Mississauga and running, I oh, definitely yeah. recommend it for sure. Cool. Yeah, and and listen, all the all the best of luck uh, at London and and getting into Tokyo. You'll have to definitely keep in touch with us and, and keep us updated on how it's going. I will definitely will keep us posted yeah. on that, Brian. <laughs> so, as the final question, so I'm an ultra marathoner and I'm I'm a huge advocate for the sport of ultra marathoning. It's not the most ideal sport efficiency wise, in which clearly you're a phenomenally efficient runner. But would you ever consider ultra marathoning? Um, nothing like you're talking like a hundred kilometers. I might do a 50 at some point. Um, in which 50 K you can run efficiently, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. Cause I, I joke my, my two of my three daughters run as well. And I think the second time I did Toledo, I did my race and then I ran back to get them, each of them. And I think I ran 50 K that day. But I was, I was. So you deep. are an ultra marathon finisher as well, <laughs> and an incredibly fast one, clearly. <laughs> at, at some point, uh, it might be different to do, right? Like some of these backyard ultras might be kind of interesting. Are you to referring do. to Big's backyard? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think where you run four point one six 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 seven miles at the top yeah. of every hour. Yeah. yeah. So I I don't know. Uh, and then in town they have uh, um, what is it? The uh, it's called that damn hill marathon. So yes. It's, a, it's around Springbank Park. Um, and I did the marathon there in uh, what was it? 20, 2020. And I was kind of thinking, oh, is this going to be horrible? Right. It's on it. The course is not flat at all. And you go around this circle for the marathon 19 times. But the beauty of it is so they have they have a half marathon, a marathon, a 24 hour event, a 100K event. Uh, like it's, it's actually quite well done. And the, the circle was really cool because you got you get to do your own water stops. Right. So you get to do whatever you want. You know where it is. The fan support is great. Right. And it's just a, I thought, okay, I'm going to count my way down on this. It's going to be, uh, it, was, it wasn't going to go well, but I thought it worked out really well. I really enjoyed it. So um, it's, uh, it's a good one. So I won't be doing that this year, but I'm, I'll be cheering people on for that. But uh, I know there's a bunch of, bunch of folks I know are going to be doing that one this year. And so that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, for sure. It's exactly right. It's a lot of people do them in relays and that sort of thing. And I love, I love doing that, that sort of thing, right? It's, it's being social. For sure. And which the team component of relays is brilliant, of course. Right. Yeah. So which, which um, ultra are you doing next? So I'm, I'm one of uh, the more extreme ultra marathoners. I, I didn't intend on, on doing this much. It was supposed to be one, maybe two, but it's interesting what can happen. So uh, actually in three weeks, I'm headed to Essex County with my friend Dale and where we're going to run 103 miles around Essex County. Oh my God. Miles. Oh, yeah. 60 some kilometers. Wow. So it'll be my first hundred miler. I, my furthest is just below 70 miles. So it couldn't be 80 or 90 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and in August, this is the project I'm most excited about. It's the Fat Dog 120. Yeah. Okay. Out in BC, which yeah. is nearly the elevation of Everest. So it'll be uh, an incredible hike. And I'm going with my great friend Dale for that as well. And then, okay, and then in September, I'm signed up for the Halliburton 100 miler, in which I did the 50 miler last year. So. I, I had to go back. <laughs> oh, good for you. Good for you. That's, Thank you. That's an awesome accomplishments to do those. Well, I haven't finished 100 miles yet. But you will. I have story you on, the, on the table. <laughs> I was a betting man. I'd, I'd definitely bet on you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Very cool. Well, well, Brian, thanks so much again for joining us and and um, you know sharing your your journey and and congratulations on the amazing running you're you're going through right now and in the Thank future. Keep it up, man, and uh, stay in touch with us and let us know how it's going. We'll definitely get you back on the show. We'll do. Definitely. Appreciate and wishing it. you the biggest congratulations on that <laughs> phenomenal record, Brian. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. You're Thanks welcome. We have one last thing to say to you, and that is to run wild, my friend. Run wild. Run wild. Will do. Thanks. And that brings us to the end of another great episode of Trail Tales ARP. Thank you so much for joining us yet again. I'm Sean Sobon. And I'm Russell the Runner. If you'd like to support the show, we'd greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or wherever you get the podcast from. And we really do appreciate the time and commitment you take to join us on every episode. 
Uh, you can also email us at trailtalesarp at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at trail underscore tales underscore ARP. We will see you next week. See you next time. Run wild.